Welcome to the Kelly Women Podcast. On today's episode, we interview Matt Kuntz, quality assurance and testing leader for Logisolve and 25-year expert in software application testing and deployment. Coming up next. I think we have some magic happening right now. Well, it's always... uh, it's always pretty exciting, Matt, when the technology works. And uh, with that said, welcome to the Kelly Winland Podcast. On today's program, we have QA extraordinaire Matt Kuntz, who leads the uh, Logisolve Quality Assurance Group. Matt, welcome to the program. Glad to be here, Kelly. You know, Matt, one question I have before we get into details about QA is you're, you're, you're so model-esque, but you don't like sharing your picture with people, your video with people. Is that, are you trying to keep it on the down low so you're not mobbed by the paparazzi? Just modesty. You're a modest guy, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, who likes to look at themselves? I'll leave that for the younger generation. Matt, some people like, love looking at themselves. This is true. I'm not one of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, Matt, why why QA? Like, why did you get into QA? What about it appealed to you? It's a good question. I think maybe the answer is it was an opportunity to get in and do something. In the IT space, um, required at the time little to no experience, but you had to be creative. Um, you had to have the desire to break stuff and find out why it's broken. I think that was probably the allure, right? Just coming in and act as if you're someone using a system. Get in and fumble around with it, try to break it. I guess that was probably the allure. Um, you know, and I always say that QA folks are a little bit off anyway. I mean, they're kind of 80 year perfectionists. They have to have everything working right. So when you go through something and you look at it and it doesn't look right, it kind of sticks out to you. So we're the kind of people that will walk around a house and we might see a crooked picture or a lampshade and we want to straighten it out. A salesperson can can jump into something and, and can break it, but they go crazy before they fix it. They just walk away from it. They don't have the patience and the stick with itness. And this isn't a, a criticism of sales per- people because I consider myself um, partially a salesperson, uh, maybe not a good one, but I do sales as part of my job. But um, there's something about good quality assurance people that they have a they they grab onto that breaking and they just won't let it go until there's a resolution. And and so it, it, was that part of you growing up? Is that just part of who you are, do you think? Probably as a kid, um, you know, fixing things was always something that intrigued me. Prime example, I had a rattle. I don't know. I think it was in high school. Maybe I had a rattle in my dash, drove me nuts. And it was an older pickup. Next thing you know, the whole dash was out laying on the driveway and then trying to figure out where it was and putting it back together. I don't know. It's always kind of interesting. I've never been afraid to take something apart or fumble around it and try to figure it out and then try to get it back together. I mean, it's there's a little rush to that. I mean, there's a thrill um, seeing things put together right. And I think software is the same thing. I might not be building it or back in the day when I was 
building it or doing some database development, you would run it through its paces and make sure that it was working and it was frustrating when it aired out, but you wanted to make sure it worked right. And we're really advocates for users, right? Without us, when I say us, the testing folks, we're advocating for the end user or people that are going to use the software. So our name's kind of embedded in it, maybe not directly, but indirectly. So we want to make sure that it's working for them. And I think some of the paces that you go through are thinking like a user would think, you know, and I think it's it's matured over the years, just watching on the early onsets of software development and the different applications like web development, there was always a component of how is a user going to use it? And then kind of getting devious and saying, how how are they going to try to break it? Or more importantly, take advantage of software that isn't working correctly. You know, whether they can tweak pricing or put multiple items in your basket and check out, uh, you know, there's that fraud component, which you're seeing today more and more. You have that in you know, with, with the uh, putting the the truck, um, getting the rattle out of your dashboard. Did you did you get it, the rattle taken care of, you know, get rid of, did you find the rattle and actually get the dash put back in there? Of course I did. Yeah, uh-huh. I, that's the difference. I would have taken the dash out, but I wouldn't have fixed the rattle and I just would have went crazy because I couldn't, you know, it was taking too much time. I would have thrown the dash back in and then it would have the rattle and you could tell that the, the dash had been ripped out because it would be cockamamie sitting in there and um, and then I'd have to live with that for the, the remainder of the vehicle's life. Well, I think, you know, some some parts in life too are just the, Trial and error, right? How many times have you failed doing something, but just sticking at it to get it right? I wouldn't, I, I don't recall. Maybe it wasn't correct the first time, but I think I stuck to it to get it together. Otherwise, I'd still be on it today. But <laughs> yeah, that's just one of those things you just want to write. And maybe that's the mindset of a good tester or quality professional getting it right at the end. And that's kind of the way it is with. A lot of things, almost to a fault, right? You just want perfection. If there's a scratch in your car or vehicle or something doesn't run correctly. Or I remember teaching my kids to mow lawn, right? Keep the lines straight. And then shaking my head when the lines weren't straight. So I don't know. Maybe it's my quirk. There's a, an element of uh, some OCD or something in there. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. In, in, in college, I don't, I don't recall, was your, did you say your major was psychology? No, far from it. Business. Oh, you were business. Okay. All right. Yeah. I was business major with an emphasis in marketing and communications. You know, the way you communicate that make, that makes sense, but you don't see, you know, people necessarily from that background end up in, in QA, although maybe maybe there's more of them and I'm not aware of it. But um, I would say probably not just because everyone's going into computer science now, right? I mean, there were, there was a, there was a school that, you know, that they were starting all the computer science degrees. And I think that just becomes more fashionable now where you can actually study it. There's, there's really not a lot of emphasis in the, quality aspect or the testing side, although it's gotten better. But then again, I haven't visited a campus for a while, so I couldn't tell you what the curriculum is now. But just hearing from some of the younger ones that are coming in that we've been screening, 
um, you know, they do learn some principles, which is good. Do you think the ma- major? Do you think the their major matters? Does it matter for them ending up as a as a high quality QA person on your within your group? Does the does their major in college matter? Does college even matter in your mind? I would. I got very strong opinions on that one, Kelly. Um, depends on what you're getting into. Like I told them, I'll tell kids that if you want to specialize in something, go to school. I mean, if you want to become a doctor or a lawyer, you're going to have to go to school. If you want to become a professional, go to school. If you have passion and desire to do something, bypass school and go out and do it. So to answer your question, I think, yeah, it helps you mature, but it's a expensive for your growing up time frame to get into something. I think um, what college doesn't teach you is work ethic, morals, discipline, um, the aspects of growing up. I always say that I probably learned more in my tenure outside the classroom during college, just maturing and growing up than I did inside the classroom. But you know, that's not fair either because there was a lot of things that I picked up in college that I enjoyed. It was fun learning about, especially the marketing aspect of it. Communication was always an interesting topic too. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I think there's some advantages to it, but it's a costly price tag. And I think yeah, yeah. each individual has to look at the pros and cons of what they want to get into. But no, I don't think it makes you a good tester. It's called discipline, hard work, commitment. Yeah, all those things that make a person successful in anything they're gonna they're gonna do. Yeah, in life, they're gonna do right. Yeah, if you're gonna give up, you're not gonna succeed, no matter what degree you have. Right, right. And you know, you and you and I've worked with with PMs that are that have went to school and have a certification, or and they they could be awful, and other ones can be great never attending one class so yeah so much is the dedication at that point in life um your commitment to to being involved into a to trying to do the best job you can do i mean i think that's 80 90 percent of it yeah. yeah perform you know when i uh, you and i've been in this business about the same amount of time probably 20 25 years 23 years whatever it's been um and when i got into the business performance was a big issue Today, performance is still a big issue, and it makes sense because apps are always pushing the limits of storage and infrastructure, and and there's more pieces to interact with each other that that can go wrong. It, what's what's happening in in QA testing when it comes to performance for the user, making applications faster? Is there any? Is it is it still just digging into each individual? scenario or are there are there tools out there these days that are making your job as a QA professional easier for f- making making things work faster and scale better sure that's that's a really good question i would say you know if you break down quality you know testing's a component of quality so raising that up and looking at quality and of the application you know performance is certainly a component of it I would say, now we're going to age ourselves even more, but, you know, starting out when there were mainframes and AS400s and 
web services that would talk back and forth and you know you'd have failover from one server to another there would be a lot of sql tuning that would be required to make applications run on the back end you know the old client server applications with the invention of technology i think things have moved um you know just like the cloud for instance right you're paying companies to host it right you don't have to worry about the performance issues as much as you used to because you're not maintaining the servers like you had to and a lot of times the databases would crap out and then you'd have to get more space and always maintaining that so the technology certainly improved that it's it's certainly not solved it um, there's certain tools out in the industry that people will use for performance and failover testing um you know people with that niche are highly specialized it's not like your general tester they're they're in to do some performance scenarios and tuning with the application um, there are certain tools on the market that are used it's you know i've done some of it ran, ran and wrote performance test plans you know with the different types of performance tests you want to run on them um, but I generally lean to people that are in the trenches day to day doing it. Um, I would say the market has demands for it, you know, and you'll see a lot of these individuals that are really good at it go from corp to corp, you know, and they'll jump from one one contract to another doing it. And the contracts aren't that long, right? They're three to six months. They come in, identify problems, fix it, or have their engineers on site fix it, and then they go off to the next corporation. So I don't see a lot of demand, you know, from corporations like we used to, just because people aren't hosting their web websites anymore. They usually have companies do it, and then with the cloud and, and the way technology has, it's allowed them to focus on writing the software and making sure it works. And you know, there's the whole component component of architects and engineers that are probably gotten so much better over the years too so you're doing it right the first time instead of putting it out there like in 2000 when best buy launched their website you had no idea what was going to happen so everyone was holding their breath and you know how many servers do we need and so you put it through the paces but has the has the cloud has has the cloud in, in, improved performance in your mind is is this whole shift it has okay yes yep I would say, you know, what I see, yes, just you sign up with some of these firms to host your platform. They're responsible for the performance of it, right? They have SLAs written, uptime. They do all the maintenance, the patching. You don't have to see that. I mean, companies, when we work with them, if we were helping host, you would have to be responsible for it and figure out things. But generally, companies rely on on the cloud and their providers to do some of that for them or a lot of it for them last question for you mr Kuntz. um that's in it? today's in today's we're down to one question left well we can go on with i just don't want to take too much of your valuable time that's all i got is time kelly <laughs> me too uh, do you do you still recommend young people come into the technology industry through QA and testing? Oh, I don't know if I can answer. I don't know if there's a definitive answer for that. I, I, I certainly think it, it helps. 
because, you know, from a, a testing standpoint, you're not only planning the testing phases of it, but you're also in pushing back against the development and the architecture, trying to find flaws when the application's getting built um, and it's on paper. Good quality professionals can look at something and call it out and say, that's never going to work. Or if you do this, this might be a problem. Um, and then working with the development team saying, okay, you've developed it this way, but what if I do it a different way, you know, from a testing standpoint? So you're working with the developers, you're working with the architects, the engineers, um, and probably most important, you're working with the business side and the users. So you're trying to establish scenarios of how a business user will actually use software. And, you know, from a public facing website, you're trying to use, use it like anybody would. So yeah, I mean, it gives you the depth of working with all aspects of the SDLC. So yeah, it gives you great exposure. Um, you know, I see a lot of testers that have started in the industry that moved on to be become scrum masters, to become, you know, developers, managers, etc. Just because you get all aspects of the software development lifecycle. So yeah, it's a great exposure. I mean, it's a great way to get in and not only see just a piece of it, I'm not sitting with my headset on, um, coding something all day, throwing it over the wall and hoping that it works. From a testing side, you're you're finding out why it doesn't work, communicating that back and communicating it up and down of why things are working or not working and planning schedules. So it's a great career path. I mean, with the invention or the tools that are becoming better, from an automation standpoint, you're going to have to learn how to script some things. There's some scriptless automation tools out there that allow you to go through and run, but someone's still going to maintain that, and you got to throw scenarios at it, right? I can tell a script to do something, but I have to be created enough to find out what I'm telling it to do, right, and the scenarios to run at it. So yeah, it's a great, it's a great way to get your feet wet in the industry and understand probably the entire life cycle. And then of course, when it doesn't work in production, you could hear from end users of why it doesn't work. And then you shake your head going, why did I think of that? So, yeah. Well, ultimately you're, yeah, you're, you're helping build a product that end users can use and can, you know, people like me get and, and don't go crazy taking their computer and throwing it out the window because of all the breaking that happens or all the, all the challenges that come with some of the softwares that aren't tested as thoroughly. Right. Well, Matt Kuntz, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Uh, have a wonderful rest of your day. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to the Kelly Woman Podcast. Awesome. Thanks, Kelly. Have a good night.